0: One night in Bancroft the world's your first time. The bars are temples, but the pulse ain't free. You'll find a God in every golden question. And if you're lucky, then the God's are she. I can feel an angel sliding up to me. Oh, hello there. You are listening to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast featuring the open-minded musings of two mid 40s mid 40s man we are mid 40s mid 40s curmudgeons bravely boldly uh brashly staring down the prospect of our entertainment irrelevance i am your co-host My name is Noah Tarno. Greetings. I am the founder, senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events, including virtual events. And uh, with me, as always, my co-host, the man, the legend, straight from Amsterdam, damn, damn. I'm the legendary Bill Skerry, and I'm also a man. And uh, if you are just joining us for the first time, or if not, and you just like hearing more of my voice, what we do on this show... Is uh, we look at something that's hot, that's new, that's happening, and try to make sense of it through our adult, middle-aged brains. And uh, this episode, you know, this is we do this a lot, Bill. We lose the thread. Uh, this isn't necessarily something that young people are into. We we often look at things people in their twenties or even children are into, because I think most people are into this are you know around our age or not much younger. But it is definitely the the most talked about TV show of the last week. We're talking about the current number one hit on Netflix, basically since it came out about a month ago, less than a month ago, about three weeks ago, this uh, Netflix miniseries called The Queen's Gambit. And this is about Queen Elizabeth II teaming up with a <laughs> member of the X-Men who affects luck and they travel the country and have wacky adventures.
1: Uh, yeah, and, she, uh, she throws uh, playing cards from Remy Lemo's deck, and they turn into explosive yes. uh, devices. Yeah,
0: it's funny because when I first heard about this, I conflated it with I know this week or in a couple days, Netflix is premiering the next season of The Crown, which is about Queen Elizabeth, and I'm I'm a big fan of. It. I'm looking forward to that. I think that's a terrific show. So I was like conflating the two. I'm like, oh, is this like the name of the new season of The Crown, The Queen's Gambit? But definitely. I thought so, too. and then I, I saw, thought, Pic- yeah, really. And then I saw oh, yeah. pictures and I saw pictures of the star, the red hair. I'm like, oh, it's the woman from Mad Men. No, it's not. For those of you who don't know, and, and I think it was a CNN article said if you're not watching it, some a friend of yours has told you to watch it and that's absolutely true many cases in my case queen's gambit is a miniseries based on an early 80s novel by author walter tevis oh tevis. I, my notes autocorrected it to travis walter tevis he also wrote the source material books for the color of money and the hustler and it is a book about a character named elizabeth beth Harmon, fictional character but she is an orphan in kentucky she's orphaned in the late 50s i believe and uh She goes from an orphanage to adoption, and she is a chess prodigy. And by the time she's a teenager, she is playing at a world-class level in chess. Of course, she is an outlier because not only is she female, but she is stunningly attractive. And in the process, she's dealing with trauma and addiction she's addicted to pills the pills that they used to give girls in orphanages until the 60s which is kind of stunning and she also becomes an alcoholic and that's how she it's a bit of a coming of age story and it's very much about the world of chess uh, it's a seven episode miniseries created by scott frank and alan scott of course the green lantern of earth Two. that's true and only his only weakness lives.
1: is, is uh, wood right now
0: is Wood and uh, DC reboots that make him a homosexual, which I think is sad because he seemed to have a happy marriage to a woman before that. So yeah, you know, it was anyway.
1: it was all a lie. It was all a lie. So sorry, it was
0: all a lie. I guess you know it's about time we had some gay characters. Uh, it stars uh, at least once Beth Elizabeth reaches uh, you know her late teens. It stars this actress Anya Taylor Joy, who I was not familiar with before, but she's been in quite a few things. She is both stunningly beautiful and an exceptional actress. They brought in as consultant Gary Kasparov, the former world champion champion russian he was the he was like the chess guy like in our teens and our 20s yes. right he was like the champ then right and
1: Boris, Boris fought, Spassky I, yeah those guys sure
0: yeah Spassky I think came first but Kasparov was the name like the brief period I played chess I was playing like this Kasparov video game or like Gary Kasparov gives you advice and I think he was the first guy to play deep blue the IBM computer always surprised me that the the chess computer would win games because the computer doesn't have any arms hey yo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Why so, have I not okay. thought of that before?
0: This show has been number 1 on Netflix nearly every day since it debuted in late October. It's a discrete 7 episode miniseries huge hit, but I think it's unlikely it's going to go to a second se- season because the book's done and, you know, miniseries something should end. And uh, this stat I thought was pretty funny. It ha- I don't understand the world, man. It has inspired a 273% rise on eBay in sales of chess boards. Why? In God's name, Bill, if you want to buy a chess board, would you go to eBay?
1: I assume that is if you want to buy something with a little uh, heirloom value to it, not just the standard uh, cardboard full right. amount.
0: But I'm sure there's some connection between the popularity of the Queen's Gambit and if more people are playing chess. Also, the lockdowns. Like, board games are probably taken off this year, too. Sure. All board games. But, like... If I want a chess set, I want to learn chess. Like, why bid on something? Buy it at any toy store. Buy it at any stationery store. Buy it from Amazon. Like, I just... I've bought things from eBay, but eBay makes it more complicated. Why would you buy a chess board on eBay if you're learning to play chess? I don't don't understand. I don't have a theory.
1: I don't have a theory for this. Sorry. Anyway,
0: so... The show's a big hit. Uh, I watched seven episodes. I made it through six of them. And I enjoyed it. It was just time I didn't have to to finish out the season. I'm probably going to finish it out tonight. Uh, And Bill, you watched two episodes? Yes. So you really know what's going on. Uh, I will try not to spoil it too much for you. I will say that this show uh, definitely deepened the chess world. And it piggybacks a lot on, I think, some of the joys of Mad Men many years ago, several years ago in the... You know, it takes place in the 60s, so the interiors, the outfits, the styles, the looks, the hairstyles, and the tragedy of that era. And I think, uh, you know, she starts in Lexington, Kentucky, and by the end she's in Moscow and Paris. So there's definitely a a, a very visual sumptuousness to the show. Uh sorry to give stuff away, but you know, you're the lazy one, so that's the price you pay. So Bill, what do you think of The Queen's Gambit? Well, I think the yeah.
1: show does a lot of things very well. There's there's the um the Netflix budget, the idea that there's a uh, slavish attention to detail uh when it comes to set design, costume and and hair, wigs, that kind of thing. It is a I you know, kind of a grown-up drama, you know, there, there's something to it where it deals with these complex themes. And on top of that, as they said, this is kind of loose Based on um, Bobby Fisher. No, uh, oh, like
0: I barely, barely. Right, right. I think, and you haven't gotten to it yet. I think the character played by Thomas Sangster, or whatever he was, a mm-hmm. kid from Love Actually. Yeah, he seems more a Bobby Fisher type to me. The, the bad boy chess juice.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, like a, a seriously a psychically troubled, uh, you know, weirdo yeah. who who you know was was a, was a prodigy an American prodigy, but
0: but there there have been several of those in American history. Paul Morphy, who some consider the, and he's referenced in one episode. He was like Mr. Chess of the late 1800s. He completely cracked up. Okay, but but and but that's not Fisher. Definitely. Also, Fisher was a racist and an anti semite, and he, uh, yes, he, he left America and he and a, a sexist. He 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 thought women shouldn't play chess. Right, so right.
1: But realize. what I'm saying is that. But Fisher was a public figure. Fisher was a pop culture figure. Yes. Morphe was not. Nobody else knows anybody else in chess besides the few names that you've, you've. What I'm saying is that it's it's loosely based on the idea that there was um,
0: there was somebody who a was troubled, great American hope of chess in the during the Cold War.
1: Yeah, what right. That's it. That's okay. it. And you know, it's, it's they smartly yeah. gender flipped it and they smartly gave it to Anya Taylor Joy, who's who's put together the roster of characters and roles so far, which have been very almost otherworldly and impressive. She started off in the witch, and she I saw a movie she did i want to say last year the year before called thoroughbreds which was an indie film nobody saw and it was one of the top 10 i of that year for me she's tremendous it's really good
0: actress yeah
1: no that's there she's she's a different kind of uh different kind of young actor i think she's only 24 or so but she's been in the business she's oh
0: i looked it up because i wanted to know if i should go to hell for thinking she's so attractive but i think 24 is okay
1: she just has a sort of preternaturally baby face though is the thing she you know from like she plays so she oh. plays from 13 years to her 20s yes. in this, and you know, with only things in, the,
0: in the later episodes, she looks like she's 24. I mean, even That's though she's same. probably only supposed to be 21 or so, but yeah.
1: But it's a it's a wig change. That's all they did, and it's the, you know they don't they don't dirty her face up. it's just it's the same face playing 13 to 21 or so. And here's the thing: I think I think like I said, stylistically, there there are uh, uh, a lot of smart, pretty things that it does, but I I did not like this, and and, and I had trouble wrapping oh, my head. Oh, Bill! I I made it two episodes in, well mostly because I started. Late, you know, we didn't lock this topic down. But once I started going, I'm like, "Oh, this is what it's going to be. This is going to be a grind uphill." Check me, and these episodes, I, by know, the I, way,
0: I think this- you got to give it more time. It, it grew on me. I wasn't into it till maybe I. End of the second episode, but continue.
1: I knew five minutes into the first episode that this wasn't for me, and I gave it 120 minutes, and it's like, and and all I did was counter the idea that this is definitely on a show for me, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. I'll i go through it very quickly. You know, the director of this is this guy Scott Frank. He kind of created the show, and he ran from end to end, and and this show went through a couple of well, I said this was supposed to be a movie or a series, and at one point Heath Ledger was supposed to direct this before he died. You know, and it went back into turnaround. You know, and then this was like the I think the third version of it, and actually made. It. But Scott Frank is. The the guy who wrote Wolverine and Logan. He's got this strange crossover, you know, where he's been writing scripts in Hollywood since like the mid-'80s, but his biggest things have been like pop tentpole movies, and that's not what he started out. But he's managed to adapt his career... With this idea, of, well, first he was a storyteller and then he was a tentpole guy. So, uh, you know, he toggles back and forth. And I think he wanted to do something that felt like it had, um, you know, it was more, it was more personal. And you get the chance to decompress the story and go for seven episodes rather than either, a, you know, a 90-minute movie with Hugh Jackman running around cutting guys' guts out. But, I mean, this suffers it's it's such a humorless dry airless show that lacks any warmth it's completely cool it's completely distant it's for me i felt like it was trying so hard to nail beauty it slowed down and it ground to a halt there was no propulsion to it and and the episodes being a full 60 minutes i think is the latest curse that netflix has had netflix has suffered from overinflated seasons in terms of episode counts and also actually inflated episode runtimes. It used to be that an hour-long TV drama was somewhere between 43 and 46 minutes. Netflix is giving you 59 minutes, an hour two. And you could feel the extra 10 to 12 minutes because those scenes are decompressed. People sit around, look at each other, blank stares, they speak slowly, they wait and they pause when you don't need to wait and pause. And I mean, I don't think those are the worst sins this show has. The worst sins this show has is that this fucking show was shot in Berlin and it looks like it. Nothing about this show looks at all authentic because it was shot in the middle of fucking Europe, and every single actor, with the exception of Bill Camp, Anya Taylor Joy, and uh, Mose, uh her her the, best her best friend in the black the, uh, girl, yeah, 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 the black girl, uh, they're all Scots, Irish, and and German actors. Anytime someone walks on the screen, and they That's mangle their is. way through a See, bullshit, yeah.
0: It's... T- That's it, not true. It's, That's not true. It's
1: totally true. It's
0: painful. It's not... Well, first of all, you've only seen two episodes. That's factually not true. All right, so wait, you tell... Is the <clears throat> woman who plays... Okay, so you've seen two episodes. The woman who plays the head of the orphanage? Yes. She's... Canadian, she's German? No, she's Which Canadian. She's
1: Canadian. Oh, she's Canadian. Her okay. teacher in high so said- her teacher in high school is German, and she she starts speaking um, th- this really butchered American accent, and it's it's like this is completely unbelievable. One of the one of the te- one of the people in the orphanage was German. The rest of them were Scots. The dude who was the orderly who was hitting he was he's British, doing that Southern accent. Yes, you know there are so many painful. Pa- the worst this is this guy I can't fucking stand. Uh, Harry Melling. When I see that guy come on the screen, he played. Uh, uh, Dursley yeah. he, he has almost specified yeah. in doing southern characters and his his american accent oh, is Jesus. the worst
0: yeah he's not he's he's not my favorite and you know he shows up again later and to- um, Thomas
1: Brody Sangster from Game of Thrones these are the most English yeah. actors you can imagine and the problem is anytime someone walks on the screen and absolutely butchers our Rs, or the guy who played her father he comes in he's from fucking like Belfast and his accent sounds so poor it would have been a tough sell anyway like I said I really like Anya Taylor-Joy I think she is exactly the right person you want to put a show behind and and this is the beginning of her doing a lot of high-profile work and she she carries this show she carries it she yeah it's all on her it's all on complete, her back she is the tony soprano of this show she yeah. she is charismatic in in you know in a way that, that like she's built in a lab to do this kind of work she, the camera just drinks her in and and she's absolutely this kind of thing Almost to the point where she's so ethereal looking to me that I almost can't see her playing a regular person. She did play... What was she? was magic in the New Mutants movie, which nobody saw. But it's like, well, that's great casting. She should definitely play magic from the New Mutants movie. And she should definitely play the witch. And those are like, yeah, she should play larger-than-life characters. All the costumes and the houses and the sets, nothing looked lived in. Everything looks like it's brand new unused. It's like you're watching a stage play where no one's ever stepped into that living room before. And I know that was the Miss Maisel thing where people love that show because it just looks so lush and mid-century. I'm like, it looks like nobody lives here. It looks like set designers designed this. There's no fingerprint from any of the characters. They're just sitting inside of furniture they saw earlier that morning. I don't believe anything they're doing inside of those sets. You know, this is the Mad Men thing. You know, what I liked about Mad Men was that you had these class A caliber performances from these great actors, uh, nearly all of them. But Mad Men never went outside because they couldn't afford to show you what the world looked like in 1967.
0: And, and when that, they did, it looked like like that scene where Roger and, and Joan are robbed yes. in the rough neighborhood. It looks like fucking Sesame Street. Yeah, because it, it was shot really really on a
1: yeah. lot in Burbank. It looks like Seinfeld's yeah, yeah. Uh, version of New York on the back lot. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, that's yeah. exactly so that's Yeah, pro- Sesame
0: Street or Seinfeld. It looks like a fake... New York neighborhood,
1: yeah. You handicap this show, and no one else is going to notice these things. I I should specify, no, you know well, because I've said this a million times, but I'm the one man who's going to be stopped from enjoying something by the very things I mentioned. The problem was that this was like a stack of those things I can't get over: the shitty accents, the un, you know, the unlived-in, stagey-looking things that look like a play. You know, it looks like a grand ballroom from some Elaine Stritch show in 1981. <laughs> the fact that everything was shot in Germany, that these actors were running and they say, you know, in terrible, terrible accents that don't sound like Kentucky, they don't sound like fucking Illinois, they don't sound
0: like yeah, anything. They, they
1: don't sound like Kentucky at all. They could be anywhere in the United States. Yeah, and and so it's like I got I got where it was going i think that the whole thing with her taking the pills is a little bit i keep saying the x-men it's a little bit like her x-men power the way it manifests it's almost like a video game power-up button where it's like oh press the press yeah. the press the the, the tranquilizer pill so yeah. she can identify her little heads-up display her oculus rift comes yeah. up and shows her what yeah.
0: chess is like i that, yeah, that, that that's, to me that 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 felt a little forced yeah yeah but tell me tell me what you liked about it pretty much none of the things you bring up i even noticed yeah and maybe maybe i'm giving it too much credit but the airlessness i think serves it well first of all it like i say it took me a couple episodes to get into it so you don't want to continue that's fine part of what really ended up bringing me into the show is how this is a coming of age and now she is a traumatized young woman. I mean, the bits I really am most drawn to is is when you really see her her romantic and sexual coming of age. So I guess you saw the episode where she enters that first tournament and she wins. Yeah, is that episode. She too? sort of
1: has the little uh, the the rakish. She has the crush on that guy, the rakish looking dude. Who, by the way, yes, he's also from Northern England and sounded exactly right. like
0: okay, it there, yeah. all right, fine. So that's the first hints of it. I mean, before that, she could be you know gay or asexual, but you see, like, she's a. Young girl she's like 14 or whatever and she's discovering romantic longing or sexual feelings or whatever and you see more of that here and there how she like acclimates to becoming a an adult woman counteracted with the trauma counteracted with the chess world the mostly male chess world. You got to it where she's adopted, right? The the relationship develops with her adoptive mom, who, by the way, that woman is mainly a director. She directed the Tom Hanks Mr. Rogers movie.
1: Yeah, she and she directed a movie called. Uh, I was almost going to make this point. I after watching it, I was like, why is Mariel Heller starring in this? She should have directed it. This is exactly the well, kind of movie she's excelled she, at, and I would have been a lot warmer because you know she did that uh, Melissa McCarthy movie about the letter forger, and she did the Mr. Rogers movie, and she did Diary of a Teenage Girl. This is right in her wheelhouse, okay. and I don't know. Under-
0: Maybe but I think she gives a very good acting performance here as well. And the relationship between the two of them is very interesting and very different from what I expected at first. This this show surprises me a lot of times. Uh, so I think the airlessness might serve it well in that it shows she's lit. She's I mean chess people like this anyway. They're crazy, right? They're in their heads all the time. She's clearly she does not she has no interests other than chess. Right, you even see it before she's even played chess. She's so fascinated by it; she'll do anything to play chess, to engage in the world of chess. It's all she cares about. And you know, you see the damaged element of it, and it's it's a nice swerve that she happens to be this smoking hot woman. It's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, maybe this would have been served better by female directors, but the results, from my eye, seem to be very well done. Didn't you think the scene, uh, like- the
1: scene where she bleeds for the first time was kind of like a complete botch job? It was handled in a way that I'm not even sure I understood what was going on. Nor well- do I think that Scott Frank had any idea what menstruation is From of the way it happened? It just seemed – uh, it was played mm-hmm. so alienly. Like is the, is the, the thing going to burst out of her chest like John Hurt?
0: Like honestly, I had no idea what was going on. This is a girl who has trouble in her own skin. So she doesn't know what to make of it, right? And then that girl in the bathroom kind of rescues her. And that shows you a different side of her. And then she goes home and just says to her mother, I began menstruating. And the mother doesn't know how to deal with it. I mean, you see the world a lot of girls lived in those days where things weren't talked about. Things weren't even when they were talked about. It was all euphemisms and avoiding the issue. And especially a girl who was in her head and not you know, in touch with her body or whatever. The character really grew on me. Early on, I was thinking what you were thinking. I don't care about this person. She's uninteresting to me. It developed. I really like that this show, I think the show's very pretty and nicely shot. I think there was something genius about this, that there's a scene later where she's talking to her mother and going into the intricacies of a chess game she lost and flashing back to, you know, seeing the game. They basically make high drama of her spouting gobbledygook. I I played chess maybe half a dozen times in my life. I hated it. I sucked at it, right? (laughs) I just, I I can't think that far ahead. I'm too I can't think that far ahead to play chess. Also, I'm too bad at math, all that. I feel like chess, you either get it or you don't. But she's spouting the, the chess gobbledygook. It's gripping. It's like an action scene. She's like, and then this happened, and this happened, this happened. And another smart thing, the mom who they've established, she's along for the ride because she wants the glory and she wants the prize money, and she cares about Beth. She doesn't understand it either, but she she becomes the, the stand in for the audience. I thought that was very smart. It's well shot, it's really well acted. I know you don't like these accents, but I think everyone's impressing me on this show. All the romantic scenes are amazingly well done. There's a scene with that guy, that guy you complain about. About the first guy she has a crush on impossible to look away it is gripping it is absolutely gripping i mean you feel the power so much and the fact that she's this girl who can't come to terms with her sexuality or romance her longing you feel it you feel it's so powerful it's really well done she's good at Uh, it you know the Mm -hmm. the the chess scenes many of the chess scenes have the silence to them which god we need silence in media right i mean look who's talking here the guy who can never shut up but i appreciate when other people force it on me right the music game is on point i mean the, the the songs they play there's a lot to like about this now here's what i don't like about it none of the things you don't like about it and these things to its credit fade away and 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 they are a lot stronger in the episodes you watched when she first starts it seems a little cliche to me when she goes to that first tournament And they're like, what are you ranked? And she's like, I'm not ranked. Put me in the highest level because I'm going to beat everyone. I'm tired of this cliche of the person who is so awesome that they can be endlessly uh, pretentious but they back it up. The person who goes in and says, I beat everyone, I'm the best, I'm unstoppable. And they actually are unstoppable. Because I think it's more realistic that the person says that and get their ass kicked. And, and the person who says, I don't want to have to wait in line because I'm so good. The people who are like, uh, you got to wait in line, that's the way it works. And like making it like those people who say that's the way it works are the villains and they're stupid. I'm tired of that. And I'm also tired of counteracting those people by saying oh but but personally they have a problem i think it's a bit of a cliche that they're addicted that she's addicted to pills that she's an alcoholic but beyond the second episode i think they add a lot more nuance to that and they make it work also they drop this idea that she's a nobody by the third or fourth episode she's known universally among the chess world and she knows the game and the system and the players enough that she isn't spouting this naive stuff like not knowing how a chess clock works that really annoyed me but By the time you're three or four episodes in, that's gone. You resign now. Resign? That's right, child. When you lose the queen that way, you resign. No.
1: Yes, you have resigned the game.
0: You didn't tell me that in the rules. It's not a rule.
1: It's sportsmanship. Noah Now tell me, why is this show popular at this exact
0: moment? Like I say, it cuts against a lot of things that we're all tired of which is the constant noise i mean look this is a show that values intelligence if only because it's about chess which is like the stereotype of like the brainy nerdy thing too many of us thankfully most of the voting age are tired of stupidity being lionized as the greatest thing ever. You know, something that leans hard into smart is better. And hey, maybe even subconsciously smart is sexier. A suspicious number of the male chess players are pretty good-looking dudes too. That guy Towns is incredibly sexy, Thomas Sangster, whatever, you know, has the rakish good looks, all that. So I think there's a lot to be said for lionizing the quiet, the thoughtful the smart, the exceptionally smart, the shockingly smart, the scarily smart. We are in the ultimate era of Netflix, you know, being able to attract our attention with something that takes time, that takes thought, that takes sitting still because of the lockdowns, because of the pandemic. So, you know, right place, right time and high quality. This show's got exactly what the time calls for, for, you know, not everyone, but thankfully, a majority of Americans. Sometimes I think you can kind of like
1: make it a simple explanation to me at least, where you have a strong lead, and especially it's a woman, at the bottom of the pile. She has no voice, she has no say, she has no power. And what she slowly does is re enter this this time period in America that we look we look back upon, you know, the people who didn't live through it, we look back upon it and always say, Boy, it would have been horrible to be back then, because I would have had no voice, I would have had no power. This is kind of almost like a video game simulation where you get to watch somebody create their power, beat the boys at their own game. I mean, or I should say the men uh, at their own game and
0: you know well, th- this early on it's boys she the first time she wipes the floor with the, the high school chess team right yeah
1: i mean it's worth mentioning this takes place a couple of years before women's liberation became like a you know a, a movement it's sort of at the dawn of civil rights and you know we, we don't have a lot of examples of of popular fiction where women get to be powerful you know usually the stories are about how they're Kept from being powerful, you know, they're they're right. they're well, muted and masked and whatnot by by. Um, the
0: great thing about Mad Men was over the arc of however many seasons, seeing Peggy's taking her power and Joan too, by, by massive force, and Joan to a lesser extent. Yeah, yeah that, w- that was that, right, that, Possibly my favorite thing about that whole. show. I think it was intended
1: to be that 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 was the shadow. Yeah, the it, shadow it. a plot it. was uh, Elizabeth Moss's story through there, and I mean yeah. that was brilliant. And those things, I think, were on the precipice of seeing that you know being told. And I think we're going to see more of this mid-century fiction come out, which is almost like a little revisionist. Not that it couldn't have happened, but if we're looking for these sort of um, hidden figures type stories and trying to give power and and you know swerve to people who we might have forgotten the first time around. We're, you know, we are going to come up with fiction that says that same thing too. So there's that. There's also the idea that, that, you know, one of the things you said that you really loved about it is that slavish attention to details with sets and costume. I mean, you, if you want to inhabit mid-century Everything from the cars to the shoes to the you know every single shop they enter they go into that uh, department store they go into the soda jerk the corner you know where she buys cigarettes all that stuff is lovingly created. Yeah, no, creative. but I pointed out
0: the problem that the comic book rack in that scene is is filled with anachronistic comic
1: books. That annoyed me. Yeah, I know. But, well, I'm, <laughs> rip it all down. You should write a letter to Netflix. See, yeah, see. exactly.
0: Show is ruined. Yeah.
1: That kind of '60s cosplay is not the only reason why Miss Maisel was a success, but I think people always <laughs> talked about how they love to get back into. That they were talking about the big, you know, the hairstyles and, and the dresses and the wallpaper and the, but you know, the sconces. I, I,
0: I, I, I know I don't know the chess world, but the comparison between the chess world as it's depicted in this show versus the comedy world as it's depicted in Maisel is just, I mean, could not be greater.
1: It's probably a good idea for me to play in something other than the events I pick for the money.
0: Looks like you're making a lot. Yeah, I guess so. So, Bill, I, you know, as I said before, this is one of these topics that it's not really. I don't think it has any greater purchase among young adults or certainly teens or children but would for any reason this would you make it through three episodes if you would encounter this as a 23 year old let's say
1: well bill scary accent cop wouldn't have uh, he wouldn't have been a deputized officer of the law back when i was younger that's something that comes <laughs> up later <laughs> so on so it
0: wouldn't have bothered you as much you wouldn't be not, as grossly offended as you
1: are no not nearly as much but i i think there are two mm-hmm. things that wind up being stumbling blocks for me is that the the idea of watching a younger woman go through an empowerment story I, I can appreciate it, but you know it doesn't have a pull on me. It's not the kind of thing that I I need to watch. I appreciate it, and again, I think you know we are doing more of these hopefully we will continue to do even more of them and we will set them all over the place but it was not would not be of much interest to me but here's the the real deal killer to me is that i i don't care about chess the idea that we grew up in a culture where chess had this sort of fetish component where people were talking about these guys who i had no idea who these fucking pointy heads were who gary kasparov and boris Spassky and bobby fisher like i heard the names but then once i played chess for the first time like you i played it half a dozen times when i I was younger i'm like this game sucks there's x amount of things you can do with it it's boring as fuck and i'm gonna go play mario brothers because i'd rather throw fireballs at turtle yeah. so i i i didn't understand the the position that we put chess i i understand it's not there now for sure but again come back with me folks the 80s were a different place so there was this idea that like opera people who were coloratores they occupied a place in society based on this thing that at one point had real cultural cachet from the 50s 60s and 70s by the time we're kids those things are petering out they don't mean anything anymore chess never looks like a rock star thing you know it never looks like it's popular it never looks like it's relevant or pertinent plus I just don't think it's exciting I know what you're saying in terms of you had this feeling when she was recounting her game that you thought it was cinematic i this turns me off where i don't think chess is cinematic at all in fact as soon as i see the pieces i'm turned off because i don't give a fuck about chess and i don't care how well someone describes it or watching bill camp play that gruff mentor figure you know playing that sort of tug of war between a person who won't give his love over very easily or approval making chess the thing that that psychic battles over is even even harder to get it to wrap my head around because that means all I'm doing is just watching these actors, and I don't care about what they do to you know, whatever it is they're working on in front of them is diminished, it's of lesser importance. So, the chess thing winds up being a snake bite for me.
0: Well, this is a fundamental difference between the two of us. I will say, I think part of the reason why chess was a hotter thing when we were kids is and why the show makes a lot more sense in the 60s than, say, now, is chess was an interesting battle during the Cold War. Because the Soviets were such a chess powerhouse, part of the lionizing of Bobby Fischer was that, you know, he was the rare American chess player who was at the level of the Soviets. I think he was the only American chess champion of, like, the last hundred years. And it was at the height of the Cold War, and why it's especially embarrassing that he turned out to be a traitor to the U.S. He left the U.S. and renounced his citizenship, and he was a racist, psychotic maniac. All right, so here's why it doesn't matter that I don't care about chess, that I like and find this gripping anyway. There's a weird thing about me. As you know, I don't like sports very much. I might have fun if I'm watching a game, but I'm not into it and I don't follow any professional sports. To generalize, I love sports movies. I remember watching Moneyball, and, and that's when I crystallized this idea. I tend to like those because sports movies tend to be about those stories from sports history that were so notable that you make movies out of them. It dovetails with my love of pro wrestling. It's taking the elements of sport, but but heightening them. Only when they're exciting. Only when it's gripping. Only the, only the highlight moments. And over-dramatizing them. And that's what wrestling basically does it's sports entertainment so you know even though this isn't a true story it has the element of a true sports story because it is true to life and it is these most dramatic moments so since it's well done it can take this game that i flat out don't understand and yes at root i don't care about chess just somehow it frames it in a way i mean she could be talking about anything they make it to me gripping now simply the fact that you're looking at the knights and the bishops and the rooks you're turned off that's you that's not me and i'm right and you're wrong Oh, but I never answered the question. Would I like the Severo as a kid? I mean, I think I probably still would. I think I'd like it less because I had more trouble seeing things from a female point of view at that age. And since then, I've opened my mind more and, you know, spent more time actually listening to women. <laughs> so there you go. That isn't one you taught me. So? But is that one of those things? Like the Sicilian defense?
1: Those things are called openings.
0: Is that one of them?
1: Yes the queen's gambit.
0: No, tell me is there any aspect of the apocalypse to this television show? It's the opposite because it's um it's telling us intelligence matters. And as always with everything we like here it's quality. And quality the more quality succeeds the better off we are. The problem with our society is that garbage is is beloved. Uh no, it's the opposite of it. It's saying brains matter, quality matters, dummies lose, we need more Queen's Gambits.
1: You know, the idea that you're telling a story where the message is that you could be a First of all, it's a competent woman, you know, or somebody who is uh, not the uh, the white brush cut, you know, thick rimmed glasses guy. At the median center of these things can come in. So you're celebrating female competence in a man's game. That's a big deal. But also the fact that she does have this damage, the fact that she's not perfect is I think also very important is to show the competency, but not just the competency, the fact that you get to be a human uh, with all the stripes that happens. And that doesn't diminish the fact that yeah. you're great at something. You could be a human and you can fail at certain things, but succeeded others, and it still makes you have value and worth. It's important that those stories get told. That's the beauty of more, you know, more venues to which, to which, you know, to tell these things, bigger budgets. They're, they're getting the chance to tell, you know, more, a, a bigger, diverse spread of stories along the way. You know, the one thing I would say is apocalyptic about this, to me, is just based on, um, what I call TV doldrums The TV doldrums right now In particular That m- movies are cratering Not just They were cratering before We couldn't go see them In the theaters But the movie market Had cratered into just tent poles. Tent poles and uh, Blumhouse You know Cheapy horror movies That were made for Three million And they would grow Seventy million You know that was Those are the two What you can go see in a theater Is one of two different films TV picked up everything All the streaming services Picked up everything But the handshake deal That you have Is that prestige TV Has to look like this To make as much stuff As there is It's got to be shot in berlin to keep costs down it's got to cast english actors and scottish actors and german actors to keep the cost down uh and that's how you could make so much stuff that on the on you know on the outside you have the sets are correct and these great a-list not they're not a-list actors but these great actors in the lead and then as soon as you get to like supporting actors c and d you are plumbing the bottom of the barrel of people that you will never see because they just came out of some tv show that was shot in Northumbria, you know and i th- <laughs> i think that this, this show is the um unfortunately it's the not the Herald, but it's the greatest exhibition so far of watching the TV doldrums play out, which is this is the shape. You get something that should be great by all accounts, but there's a lot of craft issues and a lot of craft uh, workarounds and corner cuts that, for me, handicap these things. I can't take it seriously. I want I want to like it better. I want to see the Anya Taylor Joy, uh, you know, project. But knowing that it's going to be this ridiculously looking, you know, lavender colored unworn until this single minute clothing type thing with shitty accents i'm not going to watch that i'm going to be out of it and i'm going to be suspicious of anything that would you know that comes from this environment heretofore onward aren't you that kid from kentucky who wiped out harry Beltic?
0: if you take his knight then you double his pawns
1: bill anything about it that you're jealous of the only thing i could say this isn't really a jealousy thing but i would like to understand more so than what you've tried to tell me already why Chess was fetishized in America for a hundred years. Again, as we come of age, as as you know, kids into teenagers, when you know everyone had a chess board in their house, they probably don't now, or at least they're maybe starting to. But I, I couldn't understand why was chess included as a game. It was just another game, I should say, next to Pop-O-Matic trouble and Parcheesi and Chinese <laughs> checkers. And if, I didn't understand the specialness of it, and I wasn't any good at it like you. But yeah. it's like, there's this idea that I I looked at opera the same way. It's like, this is pe- th- people cared about this. Jesus Christ. It's like, I'm glad they're all dead because this is garbage. <laughs> Who the hell wants to, you know, listen to, watch people do Kosi Fantuti or, or something like that. It's like, th- this is outmoded and, it, and it, it's like the moment for it has left a long time ago. So it's not really jealousy, although it would probably make it go down easier if I understood the chess fetish.
0: I don't think the opera comparison works because I agree with you. Opera is just opera's fine. I have no problem with opera, but I think the only reason opera was lionized compared to, you know, Rock and roll or whatever is just because it had venerability on its side. It's fine to like opera. It's fine to like rock and roll. It's fine to not like them. It's—I I don't think one is inherent. Well, I, th- I think it's moment past. That's the only thing. I'm not saying. Yeah, uh, well, opera. Yeah, opera was the rock and roll of its time. I like board games, but one thing I've discovered, especially in recent years, that my nephews are into these really complicated board games that just—I ah, can't. I don't have the patience for them. I like simple board games chess is the uber board game it has the appeal of board games to a lot of people but it is so much more complex and varied than nearly any other board game and yes it has some venerability to it sure the fact that there are international chess tournaments the the game i love that's closest to it in terms of venerability in terms of Complicatedness is Scrabble. Scrabble, I think, is, you know, approaches that. But I I like Monopoly, but Monopoly's somewhat limited. I mean, fuck, I like sorry, but I remember playing sorry with a friend once and they were mad at me because they thought it was the stupidest game on earth. Chess is so infinitely complex, especially if you're a mathematician. These people who are so in their heads, these math geniuses, I see why chess is appealing, but my brain doesn't work that way. So I, I think chess has got a deep thing to it. And then of course, if you're going back to when we're kids, yes, the Cold War thing. I think you're too hard on chess. Um, am I jealous? I'm. I've, I've always been jealous that I'm not good at chess because I think that's kind of a cool thing to be good at, and it betrays a good intelligence. So there's that. I'm jealous of you know her effortless beauty. I'm jealous of that the show was so good and that my products aren't nearly as good. So sure, I'm jealous. I'm jealous, and I'm jealous of that attitude of like I'm the best and the people who can back it up. Because every time I've tried to show a little swagger and I'm the best, I immediately get smacked down. These people don't. I'm jealous of that. I wish I were that good at something.
1: All right, so tell me about the felonian scale. Where would this show fallonian fall?
0: scale? I can't believe I didn't discover this before, but in my notes, when you type felonian, Autocorrect wants you to do Fallopian. So maybe we should call, call it the, the fallopian, fallopian scale. We can. The we fallopian can, scale.
1: Well, ask, you know, I'll ask, I'll ask HR if we can do that.
0: The eggs are traveling through Jimmy Fallon's body. Yeah. Uh,. I don't know. This is you know, this is pretty good. It's up there. It's up there. It's not the greatest thing ever, but it's up there. It's two thirds of a death note with a dollop of Bardcore. core. How about that? Hey, That's what I came
1: I with. I like that. See? Your math now makes Although
0: it. your death note's your favorite thing. This is this is this is a fraction of death note in your mind.
1: I just like the way I just like the, your math. I just like the way you, you balance the equation. You. That's what I appreciate. Thank no.
0: I actually spent five minutes thinking about it. So you're welcome.
1: I, I think this this is reliable, well made, absolutely dead boring mid century stuff. So to me <laughs> that that was Miss Maisel. You know, it was a woman who was very good at what she oh, did. Oh this is
0: so much better than Miss Maisel. Ah, uh, so much. Well, better I th- than I think Maisel. that Anya
1: Taylor Joy is, is. I
0: believe it- her. I didn't believe. I mean, I love Rachel Brosnahan, but like. I don't believe her as a talented stand-up comic. For one second, no. I believe Anya Taylor-Joy.
1: Well, I didn't really believe her in that. But, I mean, it, she's, good, she's a good enough actor that... You know, here's the here's the problem with that. To be a good comedian means you actually have to tell great jokes in a good way. And, yes, she could not do that. The TV show could tell you that her jokes were great, but the jokes themselves and her delivery the were not great. The way she
0: delivered them did were nothing like a real good comedian. Right. Nothing that's,
1: like and that's a, if you
0: did that act on stage, you would get silenced.
1: And that's why, like, Studio 60 and the Sunset Strip and, and all these things that are, like, about brilliant comedians aren't and and the material that they're peddling is terrible the whole show deflates and it goes away and it has no reason to exist and yeah I agree the whole cult around Miss Maisel based on everyone worshiping Brosnahan's hair and the dresses and the you know (laughs) the the covered couches and the the pile of the pile of rugs and and the pink and the all the all that mid-century stuff you know this show has that and I think people like just they they love to just watch actors playing scenes in living rooms that they just saw earlier that day that you know has no imp- there's no fingerprint of ownership there's just a set and people love to watch sets and i can't get around with that I, that takes us to the end of a show yes after yes. the fallopian scales uh so, so so
0: there is is there zero chance you will watch another episode uh, zero you know? chance
1: now I, I got I, I could tell you how many movies i watched this year and how many i have yet to watch i just don't have time to watch more tv like this That's especially yeah it doesn't work for me
0: uh, Bill has no time. He's a busy
1: man. I'm a busy man. Uh, if you'd like to find past episodes of our show, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill show. Write to us, Noah and Bill. Don't get it at gmail.com. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Talk to me start a conversation. Let's have some fun, people. Let's go. I'm on Twitter, at William Scurry. My video production is on YouTube, youtube.com slash amcaesar. Uh, Now, Noah Tarno will tell you a little thing about himself.
0: Uh, I'm all about the big quiz thing, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events, virtual events these days, Uh, booking for the holidays now and 2021, the finest in virtual professional team trivia fun no matter where you are, bigquizthing.com. Uh, we got a handful of public events coming up this Wednesday the 18th. We are once again teaming up with the New York Historical Society for the big 90s quiz thing. I will be hosting that. It should be a lot of fun. That is uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday the 18th. And then we probably got some other fundraisers coming up that are open to the public. Uh, you know, we post about those on Facebook and Twitter pretty regularly uh yeah and uh that's where you can learn more about our fun stuff bigquizthing.com thank you so until next episode we We don't don't get get it. it a production of american caesar enterprises 2020